0: Hey everybody, how you doing? Welcome. It is Shadow at Night. It's Thursday, January the 18th, 2024. Special guest from the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mirror, Alberta tonight, Chris Scott is going to be joining the show in just a couple of minutes. Hello Eddie. Watching in Stonewall. Cheryl is watching tonight from Alberta. Hello Tiss and Chris. Tiss and Chris, not together, they're separately, but they're both watching tonight. Hello, Ellen from Victoria. Lena is watching. Irina from Red Deer. Dana's watching from Mexico, Maryland in Simcoe, Ontario. Rick in Dowling. Donna is watching from somewhere in Alberta. If you are watching on Facebook tonight, please don't forget to like and share. Let's get this out there to as many people as we possibly can. Also, if you follow my page or Chris's page, the Whistle Stop Cafe on Facebook, please go ahead and write us a review. What's been happening, at least to me in the past couple of days, is I'm getting these weird reviews from people who are trying to sell things. I can't control it. Yes, they go ahead and endorse the show and the page, but then they say, oh, by the way, buy some gold and silver off of me. Or there's this great new cure we've got for. eh." And. I can't get rid of them. You can't just block it out with these reviews because they're reviews. They're supposed to be honest reviews. So Facebook does not let the page proprietor get rid of those comments. So what I need you guys to do, if you can take the time, 30 seconds, is go and write a review of this page on the Facebook page itself. Just look for reviews on the tab. And then you can go and say, hey, I love this show or I hate this show or whatever it is you want to say. Say something. And that would be a great help to getting the show out to as many people as we possibly can. Also, if you watch on X, please, it's a repost and a like. And if you watch on Rumble, and let's see who's watching on Rumble tonight. Rumble, Rumble, Rumble. Hello, Braveheart, Hey, and Chicks, PDS, Patty Lamb, M. Zeton. Smitty, Jasmine, David, Chicken, Nana Mac, Dekaya, Daisy, Tat, Bent and. All you guys, if you watch on Rumble, don't forget to go ahead and hit the share button beneath the screen. That will highlight the URL, the, the actual address for this episode of the show. From there, you can copy and paste it to anywhere you want, your favorite social media, an email or a group you're in. Let's just get it out there to as many people as we possibly can. The show is brought to you by Canada Nano NanoSilver, CanadaNanoSilver.ca. I'll tell you more about those products. Later on in the show, let's bring on Chris Scott right now from the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mir, Alberta. Hello, Chris, and thank you for coming on the show tonight. Really appreciate you taking the time. We were going to have Carrie come on as well, but he had a show he was going to tonight or something he said. So we'll get the both of you on at some point down the road. But it's good to have you back. Uh, let yeah, me my just pleasure. State, yeah, let me just say this to you, my friend. You, uh, you carry a lot of people on your page <laughs> just once you shared the whistle stop shared my advertisement of this show tonight man they came out those uh those those haters came out in full force has this been going on for quite some time with you or is this just a recent phenomenon
1: oh no this has been going on forever i mean is just life right some people like you some people don't like you
0: yeah yeah but from our side of things i mean never mind the lefties we know what they're going to say but from our side, it, it seems like they're coming after you and I can't well, figure out what the hell
1: say, you know, say, uh, saying our side or their side, that implies that we're different. We're not, we're no different. The left and the right, um, our freedom side. And this, these communists that don't want freedom, we are no different. We're human beings. We just see things different ways. And we're all subject to the same flaws, the same human condition that each other is. And so it's not expected that people, even from our side, Act the way they do. I mean, we we do exactly the same thing as those who we we, we say we're fighting against. Uh it's it's human nature.
0: now oh, the interesting thing about that is, you know, we're all here for a reason, and that reason is we used the power of discernment when this whole thing came around four years ago almost now. And we decided, you know, this doesn't sound right. I don't think I'm gonna buy into this madness, and we didn't. For the most part, we didn't wear masks. We didn't take the shots. I mean, there are people watching right now who did do that stuff and they've woken up later, but discernment was a big thing. And now it seems like there's black and white. There is no gray area. We're never all going to agree on the same thing all the time, but just because somebody disagrees with you about one thing, or they heard from a friend, from a friend, from a person, from a friend that you did this, all of a sudden they start hating you. Like this is another example of mass psychosis from that doctor over in Europe. I forget his name now,
1: but I'm, I'm really excited. Do, do we get to talk about chemtrails today?
0: <laughs> I, I wasn't going to go there, but if you want to bring it up, then by all means, feel
1: free. Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about everything, but here here's the way I look at this. Um, yeah. I'm going to do what I think is the right thing to do, and I don't give a crap what other people think. If they appreciate that and they want to get behind it, thank you very much. If they don't want to, then I'll leave you in my dust or whatever, or you can watch me fall on my face. It, it really doesn't make any difference to me. Um, the The idea that all of us that got into this fight were it was because of freedom, I don't agree with that at all. I, I think that for in in some respects, um, the freedom movement was giving people with pre-existing agendas and opportunity for a platform so that's one thing and there's nothing wrong with that i mean if you want to get your message out you get your message out uh, with people who are going to listen to you the other thing is um for maybe for a lot of people i confirmed their already existing biases like maybe they were looking at the world through one type of lens and i confirmed that for them so they supported me uh but then of course when you find something that you don't agree on and you don't confirm those biases you threaten their worldview or their their uh the way they look at reality all of the sudden you get this emotional response that doesn't have much logic behind it and then uh, then we're willing to we've we see this all the time cast a good person aside because we don't believe something that they do you know with the, with the whole chemtrail trail thing um i i view that whole conversation as a faith-based conversation because There really isn't any physical hard evidence that can be supported, observed, tested, and repeated. Um, You have to have a measure of faith to do it. I believe that a man named Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and I believe in God. That's a faith-based thing. So are people going to say, well, Chris, I'm not going to, I wouldn't support your fight for freedom because you believe in Jesus. Hmm. It doesn't make any sense, but uh, it, it is what it is. It's human nature. This isn't the first time. And I've learned that uh if we let those kind of things slow us down, we're never gonna get anything done. So I'll just keep going and drag people kicking and screaming with me if I have to.
0: Have you obviously you've looked for evidence of these chemtrails and, and what they may or may not be poisoning the atmosphere with? I've looked into it. It's not a big, big thing for me because there's so many other things on my plate. And every single day I get so many emails from so many people. You gotta cover this, you gotta talk about so that. So I, it's very yeah. difficult. Yeah, I'm sure you do too. Um, But with the chemtrail thing, I actually did see a few videos from pilots who said they were taking money to put these canisters on a plane and and just release them at a certain time over a certain area. They didn't know what was in them, and they didn't know what this stuff might do to the plant life or to the animal life beneath them. I've seen the same videos. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that then?
1: I've also seen videos where we went to a different planet and we uh, fought some big, giant blue aliens to get a material named um, (laughs) Unobtainium. I've seen lots of things. I've seen lots of videos. Now, I'm not saying, I'm I'm not going to be so bold or uh, asinine to say none of those things are real. But what I can say is I can look at a lot of those things and I can disprove, either in part or in whole uh, that that particular thing okay so and, and that's kind of the way science works like we're supposed to all be you know being uh, like pursuing real science where we we have a hypothesis and we test and we try and disprove it so that by process of elimination we can get to the best result. But with the chemtrail conversation, um, you know we, we could start at the beginning and I could spend an hour, and you could ask me both things and I could very likely uh, using logic and common sense and a, a, a very minor knowledge of physics, disprove a lot of the theories, not saying that the entire conversation is false. However, what I will say is a lot of the information that we see out there seems to me to be designed to get people like us who agree on other things um, to fight amongst each other. We are the ants in the jar, the black ants and the red ants. And somebody out there is throwing things in there and shaking the jar so that we eat each other, okay? Um, This is no different than when I went through the first year of restrictions in my restaurant. I followed the rules. I wore the stupid masks. I smelled my own breath for a year, which was horrendous. I can't stand that. I drink a lot of coffee. And uh, eventually I had to say, well, this doesn't fit reality. If I, by process of elimination, uh, look at these things logically and critically, I know that what is going on around me is wrong. And so I decided to stand up against it. Well, the chemtrail thing is no different. Um, The one mistake that I did make though, because I'm an asshole, am I allowed to say that on your show? Sure. I responded to some videos that people sent me. So when people lash out at me, oftentimes I'll lash lash back. Now that a lot of people that I offended with my fake chem spraying video, they didn't appreciate it because they didn't have the backstory. Well, I had been barraged by emails and and text messages and videos and phone calls at my restaurant while I'm cooking and serving food to people saying, Chris, you got to look at this video. How dare you speak out against this camera? And I'm like, seriously? Okay, well, hold my beer. You believe what you see on the internet? I'm going to make a video and I'm going to put it on the internet just to show you that what you see might not be real. The worst part about that thing The majority of the people that got mad at me for that video got mad at me because they believed that the video was real. They acted on it, oftentimes telling me that I should burn in hell. And then they found out it was real and that was insulting to them. So they were angry at me. And I said, if you want to be angry at anybody, you should be angry at yourself because I made a video that was so obviously fake i literally said this plastic little doohickey is for genociding an entire province and then i proceeded to say and if anybody argues with you that this video is fake you tell them you saw it on facebook so it has to be real so i hurt people's feelings and i i really hurt them and honestly i kind of meant to it's kind of a wake-up call like you know what pay attention there's people that are doing things to us they're making us act in certain ways Against each other while we're ignoring what's actually coming we're staring at the sky and screaming at pilots saying they should be in jail meanwhile there's monsters right behind us about to strip us of our rights and freedoms that's why I did that video and you know what in hindsight probably should have handled it a little bit differently but you know what I'm I'm a man I'm I'm not perfect so you know there
0: there are nights where I want to come on and and scream and say what are you guys? thinking about what are you smoking and it almost came out last night when i saw that video purportedly from the world economic forum where that guy is standing on the stage i'm not sure if you've seen this because i know you've been doing a lot of driving lately but there's a guy standing on the stage klaus schwab is sitting in a chair just off where the podium is with someone. beautiful yeah but it's a fake right it's clearly yeah, a I fake. See, yeah. you know it's a fake the guy who <laughs> designed it told us it was a fake the, the guy on X, but what happened was that video got peeled off there, put on TikTok, Instagram, and all of that without the disclaimer. So people start, you know, some friends of mine even shared this thing. Oh, can you believe what happened to Klaus Schwab? Oh my God, this is awesome. And I looked at it and I went, well, this is clearly fake. I mean, you can tell the difference in quality in terms of camera lighting, all of that stuff, the edits. It, it was just, I knew that it was fake. And so I went on last night and I said, we have to be able to use the power of discernment to say, no, this is not real. I like the message. I mean, yeah. love it. It was absolutely beautiful. I, if it really happened. And last night, Javier your Millet, the president of Argentina, got up and, and gave him what for said socialism's coming right to the Western world. We need to do something about it. He said those words. Uh, so that was a great thing. But that video, I believe, was planted by the World Economic Forum. Do you think so? Absolutely, because they wanted they wanted us, they wanted us to believe that something like that could happen. And they I, wanted, I saw that they knew they knew that Millet was going to say what he said yesterday in his special address to the World Economic Forum. And they didn't want that to have an impact. So they released that fake video the oh, day before.
1: Interesting. That's what I think interesting so i saw that video and i i just i laughed my ass off and i i even re, i re, reposted it on the whistle stop page i said i have no idea if this is real i wasn't as astute as you were with the lighting and that that kind of thing i said i have no idea if this is real but i don't care i love it this is fantastic right and it's what all of us would love to be able to say on a stage like that and we just don't have the opportunity so it was just a moment of like you know yeah that's awesome right
0: I thought it was great. So look, let's let's talk about what I saw you ranting on the other night. You and Kerry were doing a show. And by the way, guys, Kerry was going to come on tonight, but he had a prior commitment. So he can't we'll get uh, Chris and Kerry on the show together at some point down the road. You made a very great statement about the Coots four and the fact they've been in lockup now for 705 days, I believe. And not enough people are doing their part to try and get this resolved. And it's not just about those guys. It's about the fact that the judicial system in this country has been allowed to do this thing to these four men.
1: Yeah. Before we get into that, (laughs) I just noticed someone mentioned the dimming. Totally happy to debunk that entire thing done by a self-proclaimed climate alarmist that wants us to stop all air travel. Anyway, okay, let's get on to stuff that's actually really important, these guys that have been in jail for 705 days. So uh, during the course of the last 705 days, uh, I've been aware that these guys are in jail. I heard about the arrest and just like everybody else, we thought, hey, this is going to be, you know, they'll be in, they'll get out on bail, we'll go through the court thing. That hasn't happened. I mean, be, be, they have been going through the court thing, but they're still in jail. They haven't been uh, afforded bail. I've participated in rallies and fundraisers. I drove the picker truck down to Lethbridge a couple of times to support these guys. Um, Eventually, I got to the point where, well, number one, uh, I can't afford $30,000 of insurance for the picker truck, so I can't drive it. Number two, I can't afford to leave my restaurant and spend $1,000 to drive there and back. Um, But thank God there were people that took up the advocacy for those men and they started getting the word out. Uh, Margaret Mackay is one of them. Um, And and, and many others. I I just, I can't remember everyone by name, but I remember Margaret because she's a friend of mine. So I was, uh, I took comfort in the fact that somebody was doing something and the word was getting out. This whole time, I've been watching what's going on often. Well, every now and then I'll talk about it and let people know that, hey, these guys are still in jail. They're not getting any bail. And then something happened a few days ago. And that was Chris Chris Carbert. uh, And hello, Betty, by the way, his mother's watching. Uh, he was denied bail again after months and months of prep work and applications and working with his lawyer and working with the courts and this and that. And they're they're model citizens as inmates. They're they're perfect inmates, uh, and they're still not out on bail. And I thought to myself, what in the four men in prison, what in the four is happening here that these guys are in jail? It's almost two years. Right. So uh, it's not that I haven't been thinking about them and and wishing that I could do something. Uh, it's just when I saw that, it really it infuriated me. I mean, Chris has lost two family members in in jail. Um, I talked to the other Chris the other day, and it was a very difficult conversation because I was talking to a father who hadn't seen his kids. who was going to miss his daughter's 16th birthday coming up. And even now, like I'm. It's uh, it's it's tough to talk about because those father feelings come up. So I had a conversation with a friend of mine, Marco van Heughebos, who's also uh, in really serious hot water over the cootsing. And we're talking about this and we thought, you know what, this is this is bullshit. We have to start talking about this. People have to know what's going on. And the backstory to this and the backstory and the bigger picture about these men being in jail is way bigger than just four guys getting charged with some uh, some some charges and being in jail for 705 days.
0: But we can't talk about that stuff because of the publication ban, the gag orders and all of that, right? So
1: I can talk about whatever we, the hell I want. I just have to accept you, the consequences of my action after, which I'm prepared to do.
0: Right. So you suggested that you were having some problems with that. I don't want to go into that if you don't want to go into that. But let's uh, let's throw this picture up here on the screen. Amazing Zoltan on X shows us the judge who denied bail to Chris Carbert the other day. Joanna Kubik, a Trudeau appointed federal judge who denied the bail. Um 702 Days. This was posted three days ago. This woman has donated to the Liberal Party 26 times. So of course I'm not going to take somebody's word for it on X, especially somebody called Amazing Zoltan, whether he's a good guy or not. I don't know. Cool name though. So I very cool name. So I, that reminds me of that movie Big. I think they yep. used Amazing Zoltan mm-hmm. in that. So I went to the House of Commons documents. There's a 256-page document. That's a transcript of a debate that was had in the House of Commons in 2017 when Trudeau was just completely pasting liberal judges all over the country. And this was in a transcript in 2017 or 2018. John Akubic, a federal judge, donated 26 times to the Liberal Party of Canada. This person should not be in any position to be talking about or granting bail to anybody based upon her allegiances and obviously her left leaning, uh, you know, political uh, bent. So how is it she has not been removed from this case yet? It's amazing to me.
1: So. We have people sitting in positions of authority of all different creeds, stripes, colors, whatever. Uh, we have Christians, Muslims, atheists, Buddhists, Sikhs, whatever. Uh, and we are to expect that people that are balancing our rights and freedoms against our uh, our, our societal mm, boundaries are going to do it without bias. That is impossible. People, have a bias no matter what, how much they train, no matter how many years they practice as a lawyer, how many years there's a judge, they're going to have a bias. Now, I want to point something out for the folks watching. It is not as important who the judge is that denied the bail or what her biases are because we will not ever, there's one judge in the universe who doesn't have a bias and only judges based on truth, and that is God. That's it. Men, women, we are fallible and we're going to we're going to make mistakes. The problem here isn't necessarily that it's a liberal judge that's uh, deciding the fate of of Chris and and some of the others. The problem is that the system doesn't have checks and balances to prevent the bias from influencing the decision or destroying lives. That's a huge, huge problem. Now, if you want to zoom out a little bit or back up a little bit, consider Consider who appoints our judges. So in this case, uh, she was this judge was appointed by a liberal minister. Um, one of the other judges that's involved in the trial stuff, he was appointed by Stephen Harper's minister of justice, uh, a conservative. And, you know, maybe the, the the bias would be a little bit different. Justin Trudeau. If you recall, we drove some trucks to Ottawa a couple years ago. To Parliament. Because we wanted to have a discussion. We wanted to speak with our government. We wanted to parlay with our government. And Justin Trudeau got fake COVID and ran and hid. Immediately. Wouldn't talk to the people. Well, what people may not know is that while the convoy people, truckers, whatever, were in transit, Justin Trudeau and his cabinet were discussing using the Emergency Measures Act in order to stop the protest. Because it was so dangerous, right? Now, here's another little tidbit of information. Shadow, do you know when the last... You're a little older than me. You might remember. When was the last time that piece of legislation was used in this country?
0: Well, that piece of legislation was only formulated in the 1980s. This is the updated version, the Emergencies Act, as opposed right. to the War Measures Act, It was, the War Measures was Act in 1971, I think, by his dad because of the yes. FLQ crisis.
1: Absolutely. Another power-hungry communist dictator... Who didn't want to listen to the people and instead used power afforded to him by the people to silence the people and put the boots to them. So Justin Trudeau was discussing how to use that because, you know, as he admires communist China's basic dictatorship, he also wants to have basic dictatorship here so that he doesn't have to discuss things like uh, the the ramifications of infringing on people's rights and freedoms over a virus. So there was no justification to use that piece of legislation at the time. So it is rumored and alleged that there is a piece of paper floating around out there somewhere that insinuates the Liberal government may have directed or encouraged the Crown prosecutors and the RCMP to find specific things that could justify the use of the Emergency Measures Act. Now, this might sound very conspiratorial, but have you, have you ever met Justin Trudeau? Have you been noticing the, um, the pattern of scandal and abuse of power out of the PMO in the last uh, 10 years? It's been blatantly obvious, and he just walks away from it every time. So in this case, he wants to shut down this protest, so the police get a search warrant for the coots demonstration area, whatever. I'm not sure exactly what the details around that are. But it's come out now that the details surrounding that search warrant are very shady. There's some problems there. Uh, The defense has been talking about this as an issue because everything hinges on that. This search warrant was used. They didn't really find anything, but it gave them justification to go look at something else. So they found guns in southern Alberta. Whoop-de-friggin-do. Everybody in southern Alberta's got guns. Shouldn't have been there, but whatever. They were legally and lawfully owned firearms. The RCMP released that those pictures to the media and spun the narrative that there was an insurrection happening and that these men were conspiring to murder police officers. Now, during my time uh, in the public eye, there's been many times where people have said things to me like, I'm not backing down. I'm standing up for my rights and freedoms. I'm willing to die for my rights and freedoms. That type of talk can be considered to be, uh, you know, talking about hurting people coming to take away your rights. In this case, it would be the RCMP. And well, that's pretty flimsy. I mean, like, it, it you is. Know I don't know what was said. And and it, to me, it's it's less important if somebody said something stupid and is now paying the consequences for it, That's completely different. And and we're not we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about this process that was used by government to put the boots to us. So they found people talking like this. They found or they took pictures of things that scared the public. Those pictures went to the PMO that morning, and those pictures, as per the report that was done uh, by the commissioner for the inquiry into the Emergencies Act, were the pivotal moment. When the, when the justification for that act uh, was was found. So when that happened, they used that to put the boots to the peaceful protesters in Ottawa. Do you, do you, see, what, do you see what I'm saying here? The, yeah, the government they, they of are... Canada had a huge incentive to find something and make it look really, really bad so that they could justify... Removing rights like hasn't been done since 1972 by another Trudeau. That's the problem.
0: Now, now, do you think they're trying to intentionally vilify people who went against them during that period? Or is, this just an ex- or, or is this just an experiment in power? Trudeau saying, how far can I take this before the people finally go, that's
1: enough? I don't think they even have to ask that question. I think they already know. When any, any government does anything, they already know how far they can push. I mean, the amount of money that goes into, um, um, you know, experimenting on small groups of people to find out what exactly you can do. Canada has a an entire department called the Behavioral Sciences Department of Canada that was designed to uh, distribute and promote propaganda to make people wear masks and get jabs and nudge them in the direction the government wanted to go. So... To me, the idea that the government didn't know what they could do, uh, it doesn't hold water to me. They knew exactly what they could do. They knew exactly how people would respond to this type of thing. Why do you think the Canadian government owns our media? It's so that when things like this happen, they can release one picture and turn the entirety of a country against four men and to the point where they're okay with them being in jail without any bail. Now, guilt or innocence completely aside that is not what i'm i'm pissed off about here i'm pissed off that these men who stood up against to to the government are being treated like hardcore criminals actually they're not because hardcore criminals are released on bail within a few days there's some very sad news out of alberta in the last few days shadow i don't know if you've heard um, a young woman was murdered by her her ex-partner now the story gets worse that man brutally assaulted this woman um, she got a restraining order against him and conditions which he violated he got a fine he got more conditions violated them again he got he did it again more conditions a fine a str- stricter conditions a couple days in jail released straight away he murdered her he murdered her a few days ago and that woman was the sister of our minister of education here in Alberta. Now, these four men said, maybe some of them said stupid things. Maybe some of them didn't. I don't know. That's for the courts to decide. They owned firearms. Some of them, maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. Again, for the courts to decide. But they're still in jail after 705 days, not having lifted a finger, not harmed anybody. But the person that harmed one of us, one of uh, another one of the members of our society, they are just let out to reoffend and harm us. So th- this is where things get really, really dark for this country, is that, number one, the government can use this process, they can use the media, turn us against each other, insofar as we're willing to accept uh, our rights being infringed on.
0: You know, it's interesting when you, uh, when you speak to people like Granny Mackay, who's been on the show giving us updates every now and again, um, and and some of the things that have happened in terms of the division there that we talked about earlier not that particular division but there have been some divisions in the ranks uh in terms of supporting these guys but it it seems to me that she said they've tried everything i said did you try a basic writ of habeas corpus and she said that's been tried and it didn't work and it it's amazing to me here from the justice department Of the government of canada the supreme court has described the nature of habeas corpus as follows in an earlier incarnation habeas corpus was a means to ensure the defendant in an action was brought physically before the court over time however the writ was transformed into a vehicle for reviewing the justification for a person's imprisonment basically if they're in for a significant amount of time like these four guys have been it's almost two years now They are violating four sections of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And still, still, this judge will not allow bail. I'm not even sure when the court dates are. I think they're not until May. And they're all going to be tried separately. So, you know, this is another tactic they're employing here as well. They're keeping these guys in different lockups. So there's no one place for people to gather and protest this heinous act by the government. And and I believe they're all going to have different trial dates. They've all got different lawyers. I mean, it's, it's just everything they can do to keep us from helping, they're doing. But I don't see how they're able to continue to do this. It's now unlawful. So what we've got here, like Daniel Smith, ironically, described the Trudeau government as an unlawful, rogue government a few weeks ago.
1: Bring up that uh, habeas corpus thing again, if you don't mind. Sure. Here it is. So I've seen a lot of this stuff before. Uh, People offered to, they they tried to help me through my things when I was in jail for just a few days. You know, Um, the problem with this type of thing is it's, it is uh, not quantified. And from your point of view, 705 days is too long. But from a judge's point of view, the way they interpret it, 705 days is completely fine. That's the problem with these types of things now even more important I, I don't know what more important but aside from this uh, there is also a decision called the Jordan decision which basically puts limits on how long people can be in court before their matters are put before trial in the United States I think the times are much shorter in Canada we don't actually have that in the criminal code so this decision is a judge made law that says something to the effect of um, if if it's been 30 months, and the the accused still hasn't got his day in court, his or her day in court. Uh, then they're they're released, and you can't do anything about it. And there's some stipulations on there about if there's delays caused by the defense or delays caused by the crown or whatever. Um, but that actually is quantified, whereas habeas corpus is a completely it's a it's a uh, it's an uh, objective or pardon me it's a subjective piece of led a uh, piece of law, right? That's okay, the so problem if, we're talking,
0: if we're talking subjective and you just said to us, 705 days is ridiculous to a judge. That's absolutely fine. This Could is record setting. Please understand. I mean, like everybody watching right now, I don't believe that anybody in this country has ever been held for two years without trial. Right. I mean, that's what they, that's what they do in banana republics. Yeah. They just throw whoever they want in jail, throw away the key. They may never see. Uh, a trial at all, and if they do, it's going to be a kangaroo court. We don't do that here in Canada. We're supposed to be a country that holds up the rule of law. We're That's supposed what to be. Justin Trudeau says all the time. We are yeah, or, eh, a country that believes in the uh, rule of law. How many times? But something. only when only when it favors him. Go ahead, please.
1: What he leaves out of that is the most important part of our of the of the preamble of the the Charter it's not just the rule of law, it's the supremacy of God and the rule of law. And the reason why it's written like that is because if we only base everything on the rule of law, remember what I said before about men and women being fallible, we're not perfect. If we use ourselves and our own ideas as the metrics to which law should be applied, we're doomed. We are absolutely doomed. I mean, the people in this in this country, they have no idea how many genders they are. And the ones that know how many genders there are, are too afraid to say how many genders they are for fear of of angering the people who don't know how many genders there are. That's where we're at. So exactly, the supremacy of God and the rule of law. Justin Trudeau never mentions the supremacy of God. The Conservative Party of Canada at their last AGM changed their uh, governance documents from acknowledging the supremacy of God and the rule of law to acknowledging Pay attention to this, folks, to acknowledging the supremacy of democratically elected institutions and the rule of law. The CPC, our conservative government in this country, just replaced God with themselves, the government. So now the government is your God. So this is a
0: conversation that I've been having for a couple of days, and I want to maybe get to this with you a little bit later on, but... What are the remedies now? I mean, I'm certain that you've looked at what possible remedies there could be. We talk about judicial independence in this country, and uh, we talked off the air a bit about Justin Trudeau trying to tamper with the SNC-Lavalin case a few years ago, Jody Wilson-Raybould and all that. You got in hot water for that. You're not supposed to do that as an elected official, uh, political uh, or otherwise. You were you not supposed to tamper at all in any ongoing court cases, judicial independence. The fundamental concept of judicial independence exists for the benefit of all citizens. Canadians need to know that legal disputes will be decided fairly and partially according to law and in an open court for the entire world to see. But you're not supposed to tamper. Nobody is supposed to tamper with it. That's illegal.
1: Happens all the time. So judicial independence doesn't exist in this country or in this province and it's actually written into the structure of our governance even in the province of alberta so in the province of alberta the minister minister of justice is also the attorney general and the solicitor general the solicitor general's job is to protect the rights and the freedoms of the citizens and the attorney general's job is to protect the government how can one person fulfill two roles one is an executive level of government one is is a uh, legislative branch of government Those two are never supposed to be that close. And yet, in the very structure of our own government, they exist. And nobody said a damn thing about it. So you you want to talk remedies. People aren't going to like this. There are two paths to take in instances like this. And the Canadian way is to use the current system, participate in democracy, use our voices, become involved and engaged, and make the change happen. The other is what they do in other countries and it's not pretty, and it's violent. And if you want to see, there's plenty of examples across history of peaceful countries doing this. As a matter of fact, uh, I was in Holland, and I stood in the very place where the Dutch people in the 1600s killed and ate their prime minister because of the tyranny that he was inflicting on the people. So that path is never pretty, and we don't want to go down that path. The path that we have afforded to us in this country that very few people Uh, have faith in, probably because they don't participate in it, it, is by changing the law to protect ourselves. So people constantly say to me things like, why doesn't Daniel Smith get these guys out of jail? Why doesn't the Minister of of Justice intervene and fix all this? I mean, they could do this with a stroke of a pen. Sure, our elected officials who are members of the legislative branch of government could try and interfere in the judiciary and, and the executive and the opposition would eat them alive, and they would probably lose government because that's and not the their role. The right? media
0: too. Let's not forget that. the media. The Marxist
1: media. Yeah. Yeah, but they're they're legislators. We elect we elected Daniel Smith, and our MLAs to legislate to make law on our behalf. That is their entire job. That's their only job is to make laws or change laws or remove laws. So if we want them to do something for us to remedy this situation, it's not going to be quick. I asked Daniel Smith at one point, you know, what the hell is going on? We've got the College of Physicians and Surgeons is still silencing doctors. We have these problems happening that that could be fixed with legislation or whatever. And she replied to me, all of those things you mentioned require the law being changed, and we are going to change the law, but that's not a fast path. And the the really unfortunate part is that the, the people, like the four men that are still in jail after 705 days, they're like, it's collateral damage for a, for a, for a a bigger fight and you know i've talked to a couple of them and and they know this and they're they're hunkered down for the the long term they don't have any hope of getting out they know that the change that we need to make at least this is what what i've uh, gathered from them is going to take some time so the remedy exists in the institutions that we have that we don't participate in fully right now
0: those guys I'm not sure if all of them are suffering from health issues right now. I know at least two of them are, and one of them quite badly. And he hasn't received any help at all from the government or the the, the prison system in terms of getting the medication he needs and whatnot. These guys are going to wither away. I I haven't spoken to them. You have. Are they hopeful they're going to get out one day, or do they realize they might be martyrs for a cause at this stage?
1: So, just to be clear, I've only talked to two of the men. Um, they're hopeful that things will turn out the way they're supposed to, or so it seems to me. But they don't have a lot of hope that they're going to get out anytime soon. Um, I, I had a I had a couple hour conversation with the with Mickey Amory's office a couple months ago about these things, and I said to him, uh, "Mickey Amory is the Minister of Justice, Justice. not yeah. not Mickey Amory, but his uh, his staff." I was talking to. I said, I get that the the legislative branch can't interfere with, with matters before the court. I get it. Daniel Smith, she she was talking to Pastor Pulowski and mentioned that she was going to look into seeing if there was anything she could do in her role as the premier to, uh, to fix or right the wrongs that had happened over that time. Even just saying that she was going to try and find out what she was allowed to do got her in hot water. So imagine what would have happened if they actually tried to intervene. Uh, you know, I said... I get you can't do that, but what you can do is you can look at what's going on, you can learn from this, and you can use this as a reason to exercise powers within your role and fix what's wrong. We have a prison system that doesn't take care of the health of the inmates. We can fix that. We have a prison system where um, corruption is, is rampant. I mean, one of the most common problems in any of our uh, penit- like penitentiaries, prisons, whatever, is drug use? Well, where the hell are they getting the drugs? They're not walking outside, going, getting on a street corner. They're getting it from the people that are administering these institutions. These are all things that these, uh, these, these problems have. They've shined a light on it, right? So if we start paying attention to the things that are coming to the surface um, because those guys are in jail, because we're hearing the story, we can start to fix things around it. And if we want to fix the problem of um, the government being able to abuse their power to the point where their liberal party donating buddies can do exactly what the prime minister said. He said, we don't want these guys to see the light of day. And, and they're making it happen for them. We can fix those things through legislation.
0: Chris, do you have enough? I'm speaking to you from Manitoba who just elected an NDP government a few months ago. And by the way, you guys watching, there's going to be a big show with a couple of Ken's. Ken Drysdale and Ken Ken Lee next Wednesday night. They're going to reveal some possible election irregularities that happened in the Manitoba election a couple of months ago. They've got they've got it all on paper and they're going to present that here on this show on Wednesday night. But Manitoba, generally speaking, through this entire fight has been very quiet. I guess there's several reasons for it. There are still some people that that do go out and do rallies and go have wing nights and and whatever else they do to get together and maybe try to come up with some ideas. But I think the the general mood regarding the freedom movement in this province is a little bit low. How is it in Alberta? Are people still ready to rise up and fight back?
1: They are, but uh, the problem is... The problem is... We've had some wins. That's the problem. Um, it took some horrible things happening to get people off their asses in the first place. So Jason Kenney resigned. A lot of people, woohoo, we won. I'm going back to whatever. Yay, I can go to the bar. We won. I'm like, well, wait a minute. No, we didn't win because these things are still in place. It can happen again. Yay, we won. You know, It's just like uh, people think Canada is a free country and we're independent. So the the crown said to Canada at one point, Ah, oh, you guys want to? You want to be independent? You want to govern yourselves? Keeping in mind that the United States had had a civil war and the and the crown lost, they said, "Well, we don't want we don't want to do that again." So let's, uh, we'll just let them govern themselves, and uh, we'll hold everything in trust for them. So when they grow up, then they can be independent. And then Canadians are like, "Yay, we're independent! We're a free country." And the crown's like, "Well, you're not actually. We're we're allowing you to govern yourselves, but you're not free and you're not independent yet." Yay, we're independent. That's kind of what happened with the freedom movement. Um, We had other wins. Uh, We elected Daniel Smith, who made some really incredible campaign promises and statements, one of which was the unvaccinated were the most discriminated group of people she's seen in her in 30 years, which is true. She talked about enshrining um, uh, uh, vaccination choice in the Human Rights Code, which is important. Hasn't happened. She talked about dealing with the College of Physicians and Surgeons. Hasn't happened. But there were all these things we uh, had the biggest political convention in Canada's history at the last United Conservative Party AGM where we basically swept the floor. We, um, all the policy that the freedom-minded individuals put forward was voted in, we voted in favor of it. We elected a freedom-minded board. All of these things are wins. And every time you have a bit of a win, it takes the wind out of people's sails. One time someone said to me, You know, Jason Kenney resigning was the worst thing that ever happened to the Alberta Prosperity Project because people now are going to just not pay attention to the greater problem that Alberta faces within Confederation, and they're just going to be like, yay, we got rid of a bad premier. So it's not that the people aren't receptive to the idea, but they're tired, they're broke, they're just done with all the stuff, they want their lives back, they want normal back, and when they had the opportunity to get that, they took it. So I think the appetite is still there, but we're not going to see a real big uprising in the freedom movement until something bad happens. Like what is about to happen in May, uh, should Canada not make amendments to or withdraw from the international pandemic treaty.
0: Now. With all of this going on around us, I had Odessa Orlowitz on. I mean, you were there that night when we had all, all yep. of the people on uh, between Christmas and New Year's. And she was talking about a black swan event. I'm not sure if you were on with us at that particular moment. We don't know exactly what that might be. We hear now that uh, NATO is is starting to make some noise about getting involved more so. Physically, in that conflict between Russia and Ukraine, we've got a situation obviously going on in the Middle East. Taiwan, China is is a problem right now. Some people are suggesting that there won't be a U.S. election this year based upon problems, uh, war, World War III possibly. Maybe that's going too far. But how far are these globalists willing to go? Other people are saying, hey, hey, you want to know what the globalists right now? I mean, the World Economic Forum is going on right now over in Davos um and they're looking for a way to maybe repair their reputation a little bit regain trust is the theme this week if you can actually believe it over there so maybe they're willing to back off for a while give us a sense that we've got our normal lives back and then hit us with disease x maybe later on this year or early next year. I mean, there's all kinds of speculation about what's going to happen, but I know that you're a guy who likes to adhere to things he can see. So what do you think is going to be the the straw that breaks the camel's back for people to stand up and say that's enough?
1: Well, they don't need a straw to break the camel's back. All they got to do is just increase the amount of fluoride in our water and make us all dumber and we won't even pay attention.
0: <laughs> Idiocracy too. Now, yeah, I'm, you don't I'm, think half, there's I'm gonna... half joking there. Yeah, you don't don't think there's going to be an event because they're going to have to do something at some point if they want to get this great reset going in their favor. First of all, a couple of things like 2035, there's not going to be any more gas powered cars. Everybody's going to have to drive an electric car. I thought for sure that news, because it was carried on all the corporate media channels, I thought for sure people were going to go, what are you talking about now? Like this eco extremism that exists in our government right now is alarmingly scary. People freezing? You got minus thirty, minus thirty-five out there. Like if we only had solar and wind farms right now, that would be it, game over. Millions of
1: people would have been dead, yeah. right? They don't, they don't, they don't need a black swan event. And to be precise, um, it wouldn't be a black swan event if we had any idea what was coming. That's the whole point of a black swan: is it just comes out of nowhere, you never expected it, and it alters the course of history. All they have to do is what they've been, they have to continue doing what they've been doing for at least my adult lifetime. Convince us to destroy ourselves. They have convinced a very large number of people across the globe that the very air they exhale is going to cause the planet to light on fire by 2016. People believe this shit. They have convinced people that Um, We should be mutilating our children if they feel like they're a boy that day or they feel like they're a girl that day. They have convinced people that socialism and communism is the best thing that could happen to society and the only way we're going to be able to survive. Mm -hmm. They convinced people to turn their neighbors in because they were breaking restrictions by having their grandmother and their grandfather over for Christmas, so we don't need World War III. We don't need a Black Swan event. All they have to do is continue to allow people to get brainwashed by the constant misinformation thrown at us by the media, perhaps through the Canadian Behavioral Society or uh, Behavioral Sciences Department, and a let us quant. do it to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. You know, look at think how many people voted for an for the NDP here. In Alberta and they've elected an NDP government there. The NDP constitution literally says that they want society to return or go to communism in in not so many words because that's the only way we can live. They say that personal property is not sustainable. They say that personal home ownership, businesses owned by private uh, corporate entities are unsustainable. That's all in the NDP constitution and people vote for it. We are asking for our own extinction because we're too dumb to realize what's coming. The environment minister of this country
0: proudly stood up in the house of Commons during question period about a month ago before Christmas. And he said, I am a proud socialist Yeah. and nobody said anything except for guys like you and I, it's amazing. I got into a conversation, let's call it on X Twitter a couple of days ago, and even, uh, some today about a federal election. We've all seen the polls. We see that Justin Trudeau is, is facing annihilation. In the next election, if we have one. Uh, he's down at 25%. Polyev and the CPC is up around 40%. The NDP is in their standard 18 to 19%. And then you've got the PPC around four, maybe five percent. Um, and I agree with the PPC platform, but I'm a realist, and I don't think that they have a hope in hell of winning even a seat, never mind government, or even enough mps to influence a minority government so that's out as far as i'm concerned there is no political solution or is there i think what needs to happen is is a Polyev of government for four years which would give us time to develop our own thing that comes from the people but as you say too many wins and people get soft they roll over they want to go back to their real lives what can we do if there's not going to be an event there's not going to be a moment where people all rise up together. I mean, let's remember, you know, that Freedom Convoy came together because we were sick and tired of being pushed around and told what we could and couldn't do in our own homes by our provincial and federal governments. We'd had enough. But there isn't really any one thing we can hang our hats on right now. I know there's a movement afoot to start another million-person march in the next couple of months. But, that, to me, is is going to be shipped with a toe tag too because people just can't get up for it. So what can we do then? Just continue to encourage people to get in, more involved in the electoral process? Or
1: what? I'm going to make people really angry with my response. So before I do that, what were those numbers again, the polling numbers?
0: The polling numbers, on average, because this comes from 338 Canada. So um, if we're talking federal... Polyav CPC is up around forty percent. Liberals in at twenty-five percent. NDP around eighteen or nineteen. Then you've got the block standard six or seven percent. You've got the Greens at five, and then you've got the PPC anywhere between three and five percent.
1: So if that's the way the election went tomorrow, we would have a Justin Trudeau government.
0: No, 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 no. We'd we'd have a a CPC, no, we Polyav wouldn't. government. Sure, we would.
1: If you add the NDP and the Liberal government polling numbers together, you beat the 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 CPC.
0: Yeah, but that's that's popular vote. Together, we're talking about votes in writings, right? So the way our you know the way our system works. I mean, you get enough votes and you get enough writings. The projection is that the CPC would have a super majority of two hundred seats in a three hundred and forty three seat House of Commons because they're adding five seats this year, four of which are thought to go to the CPC because they're in rural areas or in Alberta, one in Quebec would go to the liberals. So it's going to be a massacre in this next election. Pierre Paul is going to maybe win. Maybe that's
1: the black swan event we're going to see. Who knows?
0: <laughs> maybe Trudeau wins another <laughs> minority by the skin of his teeth. What can we do? Do we have to get involved at the local level? Is that where it starts?
1: First of all, I, I'm not 100% convinced that it's going to be a CPC government just because, um, you know, it, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a lot closer than what people think. People are going to be buying into the NDP lies which they already are. That people in Alberta actually believed that if Danielle Smith won the election that she was going to sell our hospitals and they'd have to pay to go see a doctor even though it's enshrined in our constitution that that can't happen. They believe that. And uh, so I'm not 100% convinced that Polger would win. Now, uh, as to what we do, the awareness stuff is great. Uh, going on that convoy was the most incredible experience of my life, short of watching my kids be born. Also, that was the most horrendous time of my life, but another story. Um, But it's time to get to work. Seriously. It's time to get to work. We spend so much time worrying about where we're going to convoy next or where we're going to go have a camp out next, and we're ignoring the reality that we need – to do some work and get involved and engaged municipal level and the provincial level for me i don't have a lot of faith in the federal government in this country ever ever giving the west a fair shake and that could be a whole nother show i'm happy to go go down that uh, uh, trail with you sometime but I'm the reality is
0: separation. I actually, you know what? I mean, I wouldn't mind getting into that just uh, touching on it. At least I was thinking about that today. If there is another liberal government in this country, the West is going to be screwed over again. And I think that yeah. at that point, it should be at least talked about in a serious way that that, the that West would put the should...
1: wind in the sails for sure. Yeah. I think that's maybe the event we need. The reason I mention it is because, uh, right from right from the start right from when we joined confederation all the western provinces and colonies uh, when we joined confederation clifford sifton actually let the cat out of the bag in 1904 when he gave a speech um uh, where the hell was he i think he might have been in manitoba or saskatchewan anyway i'm paraphrasing here but he basically said uh the all canadian patriots being the people in central canada and the east wish for the uh the the prairie provinces and the West to join this confederation so that the great trade of the prairies could be used to enrich the lives of those in the East and build up their factories like never before or something like that. So he really did say, we want you guys to join so we can use your wealth to enrich our lives here. And nothing has changed the way our constitution is designed, the way our political structure is in this country. The West has never had an effective voice. Um, Preston Manning tried to, to remedy that with the Reform Party, with the slogan, the West wants in, we want a seat at the table, we want to help chart the course of this country. It has never happened. The vote ends at the Manitoba border. Central Eastern Canada have always controlled the, uh, ch- the chart of the course of the, of the country, and there's nothing we can do about it. In Alberta, uh, our Premier and Albertans, for the most part, whether they know it yet or not, want the sovereignties afforded to us under the Constitution, and we want them now. And one of the things that's on the table right now That we're working on is an Alberta pension plan. Now, people might say, well, what's wrong with the Canada pension plan? Let me count the ways. The Canada pension plan is horrendous. And from an Alberta perspective, we contribute on average $3 billion more to CPP than our pensioners receive. That's just the way it is. Um, the, The province of Alberta commissioned a study done by LifeWorks Consulting. And that LifeWorks report, Uh, using the current formula within the federal legislation regarding pension plans has determined that Alberta has contributed $353 billion more to the Canada pension plan than our our pensioners have received. That piece of legislation says if a province withdraws, this is how it's calculated, and the fund has to pay that back to the province. So now we've really poked a hornet's nest here because we want to control our own pension. Why? Is it because... Um, it's going to magically be better. Well, yes, it will magically be better. But the key is Albertans have a voice, and we can determine who governs our province. If we don't like what's going on with our pension plan, we can use our voices, get it, become civically engaged. We can uh, we can vote them out or vote them in, and have those things changed. If Albertans or people from Manitoba or Saskatchewan don't like the pension plan, the Canada pension plan. They cannot get the federal government to change it to benefit them, just like equalization. We can't get the federal government to change these things to benefit us because, right from the very beginning, the idea was that the Western provinces would enrich the lives of the East. Okay. So, if you want to talk about a political solution, the first thing we need to do in every province across this country is we need to take back every sovereign jurisdiction that we have under the current constitution pensions, policing immigration uh provincial tax collection and there's one more i always forget what it is but we need to take control of those things and stop allowing the federal government to pretend they're a national government we are a confederation in this country the provinces are not ruled by a federal government the federal government has their areas that they're supposed to work in we have ours we are sovereign provinces We have sovereignty in almost all areas and the federal government encroaches on it all the time. With the climate change BS, with the health BS, they just bribed the provinces to abdicate their health sovereignty by offering them billions of dollars, which most provinces did, right? So we need to take it back to our provinces and we need to start saying, no, we're going to grow up and do these things on our own and we're not going to let the federal government chart our course forward anymore. We want to live by the boundaries of the confederation, which literally means against federation. So that that is the first step. And that those five things um, that actually lays the foundation and paves the way for an independent province, any any province, should the federal government go down a path that we don't want to go.
0: Let me ask you this, because you're in Alberta and Alberta is a very uh, it's a rich province. It's got oil. It's got money. um, It's got five million people. It's probably the second most important economic engine in this country, and definitely number one when it comes to natural resources. So it's easy to talk that way coming from there. I'm in Manitoba. This is a have not province. This Mm -hmm. province gets the second most money each year in federal transfer payments because we just can't afford ourselves apparently in Manitoba, and we can't seem to develop anything here in Manitoba. And we've got more people on the dole per capita in Manitoba than anywhere else in the country. What do you do with Manitoba? What do you do with a province like that?
1: I mean, that's it's a really never good gonna, question. It's never going to stand up on its own. Well, I don't know about you know? never. Uh, Alberta didn't stand up on its own until, as a matter of fact, people don't know this, but Quebec propped up Alberta for years when we went through some really, really tough times back in the late '60s, early '70s. Now, again, another story. Uh, innovate. Get rid of government regulation. Allow and in, encourage industry to be there. Like there's. There's so many things that can happen when government gets out of the way. It's amazing what happens when government gets out of the way. So you take control of your own futures in your own provinces and you deal with those issues that we all face. Well, a have not province can become a have province very quickly. But let me just let me just point this out for a minute. As an Albertan, I recognize that probably most of the people in this country. Um, feel very similar to the way we do. We might not all believe in the same things, but we probably believe that we don't want to be tyrannized by a federal government or any government for that matter. So if that's the case um, and that's what's occurring in this unbalanced relationship we have with the federal government, it becomes apparent that one of the participants or more has to stand up and say enough is enough. Alberta, like you say, um, we are a have province. We could put a glass dome over this province And the only thing we would lack is a new iPhone every year. Seriously, we have everything we need here. We can be isolated. You
0: need a a seaport is what you need. Pardon me? A seaport. You've got to get those goods out tomorrow, right? Well, our biggest trading
1: partner is the United States. We export 97% of our goods and services to the United States. And not only that, um, right now, I get that all the time. People say, well, Alberta is landlocked. Okay. Well, first of all, um, does access to tidewater ensure that you're going to be prosperous? Venezuela has uh, 50% of its country is on the on the ocean, and have, they have ports everywhere, are they prosperous? Sweden has no ports at all. They don't have any oil, and they're landlocked. Are they prosperous? Well, they sure as hell are. So, you know, being landlocked, number one, doesn't guarantee or or that you're going to be prosperous or not. Number two, the almighty dollar and reality is always the uh, the the uh, balancing factor when it comes to economics and trade. It is mutually beneficial for two parties to trade with each other. So let's just say, for instance, Alberta decided, hey, we've had enough of this bullshit. We're going to be independent. Uh, we still love you guys on either side, but we're just going to govern ourselves. Why would we stop trading? Why would BC stop trading? Why would the eastern uh, provinces say, hey, we don't want to trade with Alberta or you know, put sanctions on us or things like that? That's just not how trade works these days. Um, and if it happened, well, okay, BC, you don't want to trade with us. well you don't want our oil that you refine in burnaby and make 90% of the jet fuel for this the western provinces okay then get it somewhere else you know so that that whole idea doesn't it doesn't really hold any water and even more than that people don't realize right now we are policy locked we don't have ports in this uh in alberta we can move our goods and services if we were allowed to but there's policies that prevent our goods and services from moving either way and when i that's oil and oil products right so we're policy-locked. If we were under not under the boot of the federal government, we wouldn't have those policies landlocking our products here in this province.
0: Interesting. Um, when you say that money is king, obviously, you talk about trade. Why would they not want to trade with us? It seems as though politics is becoming more important than the almighty dollar these last few years. How many times have you heard about an event that won't be accepted by a certain venue because of the guest who may be appearing. I mean, I'm I, to I do saw. That right now. Yeah, I saw that happen just yesterday. Somebody was telling me they were trying to get a venue in Saskatchewan somewhere, but they couldn't because the management said we don't like who you're bringing in. Uh, so we have to scramble around. So the DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, is playing a very large role. Why would Barack Obama cancel an entire pipeline that was going to service his country? With natural gas from Canada, it, it doesn't make any sense, unless, of course, his pockets are being aligned, and no doubt they were, and probably still are. But that's what I'm saying now. It's politically speaking, and I'm not even talking about politics. I'm talking about, you know biases here. They're allowing biases to get yeah. in the way of business. Like Larry Fink from BlackRock will take away, he will actually sell shares in a large corporation. Let's call it Disney, unless Disney plays ball with his philosophy, which is selling girls, boys, toys and selling boys dresses. I mean, the world is upside down. So every right. piece of logic that you just brought up, well, I happen to agree with those people don't look at it like
1: that. It's a funhouse mirror, my friend. It's crazy. But. Ideology. Can You can only go so far basing your actions and your policy on uh, ideological fallacy. Eventually, as my friend Tanner today says, reality will slap you in the face. And we just got slapped in the face in Alberta. Uh, when the NDP was in, uh, the government was in power here, they decided they're going to be so virtuous and they're going to be leaders on the global stage and they're going to phase out Alberta's coal power plants early. Now, I don't know if you know this, but Alberta coal plants were the cleanest coal plants in the world. Our emissions were extremely low, we were super innovative, technologically advanced, we made the most out of our resource, we did it responsibly and ethically, and we produced cheap power for Albertans. Well, it wasn't good enough for the NDP, so they phased that out. They cost Albertans to the tune of, I think $1.8 billion that we had to pay. Our rate payers are paying, I'm paying that on my bill every month uh, to pay off that debt for phasing that out early. That was an ideological-based policy. It didn't have basis in reality, Uh, And now, what's happened, and this isn't just the NDP's fault, the Conservative government has a part to play in this as well. We just had a period in Alberta where we were seeing temperatures up to minus 50. Minus 51, I think, was the coldest place in Alberta last week. Well, when it's minus 50, you need some power and you need some serious power. We had an emergency alert issued by the government of Alberta that the uh, Alberta Energy, whatever it is, was saying we're at a critical risk of rolling blackouts and brownouts across Alberta people didn't reduce their consumption in Alberta we have all hell for a basement we have so much natural gas in this province that we could literally heat our homes for free export gas all over the world and still have as much money in royalties as we do right now we have that much energy and we had to cook in the microwave because an ideological ideologically based policy kicked our ass it's just like uh the the uh, climate Gilbo's no more gasoline powered vehicles i love electric vehicles they're awesome they're fun to drive it's like a, a unlimited torque curve however it's not sustainable to replace everything with them we had rolling blackouts using um i can't oh, shoot i just saw the numbers today there are the number of megawatts we use per day in alberta that we had to shut off our ovens and stuff and microwave food instead is less than what it would take to charge EVs if we replaced 60% of our fleet in Alberta with EVs. So yeah. what happens if we we're all trying to charge cars on a grid that can't support it? Reality is going to slap a lot of people in the face, right? So, so that's my long answer to your, your question is There's going to be some pain while we wait, or while reality starts slapping us and wakes people up to say, hey, maybe it's not a good idea to say we're not going to drive the vehicles uh, that work in the winter. Maybe we're not going to phase out uh, exploitation, production, and export of the very resource that enriched human flourishing and prosperity more than anything else across history, saved the whales, saved lives, expanded medicine, extended. Uh, every everything, you know? So that, that's really the answer mean, is that eventually reality you slaps you in the face.
0: Every, and I agree with you. Everything you say makes absolute sense. How do we get people more engaged in this process? I mean, how do we get them to get off their asses and go, all right, I'm going to get involved. What do I do? Where do I go? How do I sign? I mean, we've got a petition right now that Lesmond Lewis has to submit to the House of Commons by February 7th to remove Canada from the United Nations because of that World Health Organization treaty they want to sign in May, among other things. That's got 85,000 signatures right now. The petition to remove or at least have a non-confidence vote in the House of Commons got 387,000. How do we wake people up and get them involved?
1: I see these things as kind of, uh, it's like the tide, right? Something happens the government does something stupid people suffer this tide of people that want to get involved comes in the tide raises and there's this big swell and then something happens and people are like oh we fixed it a little bit and it goes it ebbs it goes back out I think the only thing we can do is prepare so that when there's that big like that big flow of tide that big movement happens we can harness the energy of that and be ready to do something with it. Had we been ready with the Alberta Prosperity Project and the idea of a referendum on independence um, during the early phases of the COVID lockdowns, things might be different right now. Um, but the reality is there's a lot of people, they just aren't going to wake up. And then there's there's actually two groups of people. There's, there's the, the woke left mob who think that all of these things are great and they're not going to wake up until their kids are going hungry or they're freezing in their homes because their solar panels aren't aren't working. But we also, I'm sorry if I'm going to offend you with this, we also have the awake right mob where they're, oh, I got to say it, but I'm going to get slammed. They're screaming at the sky and blaming pilots for a poor crop, even though we have record crops the last five years in a row in Alberta. You know, it's, it's not just one side or the other. Even the idea that we're on different sides is detrimental to our ability to do something good in the future. We, we just got to get over that. We have to pursue the truth. We have to pursue plausible and probable solutions for real problems. And we have to prepare to harness the energy that people are willing to give as they suffer. And then we can make some change.
0: Let me ask you a final question here. I had David Menzies from Rebel on the other night, and we were talking about one particular story he did, not last week when he got arrested by Christia freelance thugs. We did talk gross. about that. That was terrible. But one story where he was covering a 50-year-old university professor who identifies as a 13-year-old girl, and he has been in two swim meets with these young girls. 12 and 13 year olds and he gets dressed and undressed in their dressing room so menzie reported on that the one part of that report that disturbed me more than anything was when he was up in the in the viewing gallery and there was two or three moms who were looking down at the pool watching their daughters compete And he walked up to them with a microphone, obviously, and he said, What do you think about a 50-year-old man who thinks he's a 13-year-old girl undressing in front of your 13-year-old daughter? And these two women, or three women, they stood, sat there and they stared straight forward, except for one of them, who turned just a little bit towards the camera so that you could see her face, and it was a look of disdain. She did not want to answer that question, and clearly she did not like David Menzies. What David said after that to me and to the audience on Tuesday night was, could it be that wanting to fit in to society, not wanting to be called names, trumps the actual parental instinct? Are we there at this point in time right now? Is that what's holding us back? Is not wanting to be called names?
1: We've always been there. At no point in history were people not willing to sacrifice their own children to accomplish something. Whether they sacrifice their children to make it rain or to make their crops grow, or they sacrifice their children to pedophiles um, to to appease a person of authority or whatever, you know. Now people are they're sacrificing their children. To this idea that um, you know anything is okay. This isn't this isn't a new thing, and this is one of the most disgusting aspects of human nature: is that people can be convinced to not only destroy themselves, but they can be convinced to destroy their children. Now, this this is a really hard thing for a lot of people to accept in this country. And the society, we are free to make choices. We are free to raise our children as we see fit as conservatives, right? If we want to take our kids to church, don't you dare tell me I can't. If we're demanding the rights or the right to raise our children as we see fit, as the ones that love them the most, how dare we as parents say to another parent, you can't take your kid to a drag show. That's a tough thing to accept. Freedom is this, it's it's a double-edged sword. But in that case, Shadow, I mentioned earlier that ideology can only take you so far and eventually reality will smack you in the face. If it was my child and there was a 50-year-old man pretending to be a 13-year-old girl undressing with my daughters, my name would become reality. And I would smash that son of a bitch in the face faster than you can even say, Chris, you're going to jail.
0: All right, brother. Thanks for coming on tonight. Really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I know that you're busy and you've been on the road a lot lately and you've got your own show to do. Uh, so thanks for coming on. Next time, you and Carrie both. You guys can take over my show for a night. See how you do. Anytime. Thanks, Chris. We'll talk to you again. My pleasure. There is Chris Scott from the Whistle Stop Cafe in Alberta, Mirror, Alberta. And you guys, if you haven't been there, apparently the food is excellent. I plan on going at some point this year. There was a rumor flying around. I'm not sure if it's nationwide (laughs) yet, but the rumor was that I'm moving to Edmonton. And I went, okay, that's the first time I've heard that. No, I have no plans to move to Edmonton. However, I am considering a move west. Probably not to Edmonton. <laughs> I am considering a move west. And that's all I can say about that right now. The Shadow at Night live stream is brought to you by Canada Nano Silver, CanadaNano Simplify your daily immune support with convenient and delicious Nano Silver Immune Gummies. Each serving contains powerful triple action Nano Silver Elderberry. Vitamin C, zinc, and vitamin D3 to help supercharge your immune system. are safe and proven nanosilver works alongside your body's own immune system to help you stay healthy and strong for everything that life throws at you. What's in it? Well, I'll tell you what's not. Sugar. No gelatin either. No artificial flavors. Sweeteners or colors. Gluten-free, non-GMO, all natural flavors. Keep them away from kids except for the, you know, when you're supposed to give them to the kids, two per day. Other than that, keep them out of reach because they're that good. They're like those little gummy bear candies that they're going to want to eat. And they will. So don't let put them up high where the kids can't reach. Immune gummies from Canada Nano Silver, canadananosilver.ca. If you want to find a retail location, you can look on the retail locations tab right here. And if you'd like to become a retailer of these awesome products, get a hold of Kevin and Anna through the contact tab at canadananosilver.ca. Thanks to our special guest tonight, Chris Scott from the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mirror, Alberta. Next week, I've got Kristen on. Who's Kristen, Shadow? Kristen is crunchy, not smooth on Instagram. You can go and watch some of her videos. She is ferocious. She is awake and ferocious. And I can't wait to have her on. So we've decided next Tuesday night is going to be the night for that. And you'll hear more about that on Monday. And then on Wednesday, Ken Drysdale, who's a commissioner for the uh, NCI, the National uh, Citizens Inquiry, (laughs) also he spearheaded a project called Manitoba Stronger Together. And this is about organizing in municipalities, smaller areas, and getting people to understand what's going on in our political system at all three levels, municipal, provincial, and federal, to empower them, to let them know, to let you know, to let all of us know that we can make a difference. Ken Drysdale is coming on Wednesday night, along with Ken Lee, who is a former member of the Progressive Conservative Party of Manitoba, who's got some inside information as to possible election irregularities from the Manitoba provincial election held just a couple of months ago. And that's not all. I've got more coming up next week. I just can't mention it yet because it's not all solidified. I would like to thank you for being here tonight. I love you all. I appreciate you all. I will catch you tomorrow night at 8 o'clock central for another Shadow at Night live stream.
1: Until then, bye for now.